For those of you who are new to this church or are visiting, uh, my wife and I have been at this church for the last year. We arrived last August, and this August we will be making our way to Dubai for long-term ministry. Uh, We wanted to let you guys know what a privilege uh, it has been to be a part of this church, and what a deep, it gives us great joy to be a part of the gospel work here. We have loved getting to know you all. We have loved the friendships we have built here. And above all, we have loved partnering with you in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you for giving me another opportunity to share the word and preach the word with you all this morning. I pray that it would be an edifying, encouraging, and even convicting time as we look at God's word and as we hear him speak through his word. So before we start, let us pray together. Father, you have spoken to your people through your word. Would you speak to us now as we look into it? Would you convict us of our sin, that we have not treasured Christ well? And would you help us see that he is infinitely worthy of our entire lives, that that would lead us to guard the gospel well with our entire lives, with our speaking, with our proclamation of the gospel, and with our suffering for the gospel? Would you do this in our hearts as we uh, unpack your word? Would you give me faithfulness to faithfully preach your word? Father, we pray that your spirit might work upon our hearts, convicting us of sin, comforting us of the comfort and grace found in Christ, and that we would be encouraged and fueled uh, for worshiping you. In Jesus' name we pray. So what do you treasure? Is it your job? Is it perhaps a specific item that you own? Is it a person? We all treasure something in our lives. And because we treasure them, we want to guard them. We want to protect them. We want to keep those we treasure most safe and sound. We want to keep those we treasure most safe and sound, even to a point of putting ourselves in harm's way. And not only do we want to protect and guard the things we treasure most, we also want to tell others about the treasure we have found. So I got married almost two years ago now. It will be two years, uh, at least two years this Tuesday. And I tell you that because after I got married... Every time we would meet someone, or even meet old friends, I would always reintroduce my wife as, this is my wife, Anna. Uh, I realized the gift that she is in my life, the the jewel God has given to me in marriage. So I wanted to tell others about her. I love describing her personality. I love telling what a gift she has been to my life and ministry. And not only did I want to tell others about her, I wanted to protect her. I wanted to guard her. So this looked like walking, when we're walking on the sidewalk, 
walking closest to the street. In case a runaway car comes, I could push her away and take the hit. Uh, or, or it looks like me walking, getting up out of our bed in the middle of the night when we hear strange sounds in the room, take out my gun, which is a BB gun, since we don't own a real gun, uh, but hopefully that would work in case of an emergency. And I'd go out uh, and I'd check if anyone was there, if something needed to be guarded. My wife needed to be guarded in that moment. So I wanted to guard her because I saw that she was important. I saw that she was a treasure, and I still do. I treasure my wife. I treasure her because God has given her to me. And because I treasure her, it leads me to tell others about her, and it leads me to guard her well. So I wonder, what do you treasure here? What do you treasure in your lives And what do you treasure most? This morning's passage will teach us that God calls us all here today to guard and treasure the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before we dig into our text, I want to give you a little background. So our text today comes from the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And it's a letter written from Paul to one of his dear friends. In fact, it's a letter written to a friend who has become his own son. So in 1 Timothy, Paul calls him my true child in the faith. And in 2 Timothy, he calls Timothy my beloved child, my dearly loved child. Here is a deep relationship, a deep bond created by the gospel. Timothy is someone who Paul had discipled for a number of years now. They went on journeys together to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Uh, And now in our letter today, Timothy is found to be pastoring a church. He is shepherding a church in Ephesus. However, in this church, there are a few problems. There are those in the church who speak against the truth. See, false teachers have crept in and have desired to twist the very truths of Christ. They've begun to twist the very gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are also those in the church who look down upon Timothy for being such a young pastor. So this is who Paul is writing to. Another thing to remember is that Paul is writing this from his jail cell. He writes this as he awaits his death. Listen to his own words. This is found in 2 Timothy 4, if you want to follow along. Um, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. And I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So in this letter, we find Paul's final words to his dearly beloved child. We find his final words to this young pastor who's having trouble in this church. Here we find out the, the treasure that Paul has guarded, the treasure that Paul sees, and he encourages Timothy to also find his treasure in Christ and to also guard the gospel. So listen to Paul's words. In So this is our passage today. We will focus on chapter 1, verse 14, but I'll read 3 to 14 to give us a little context. 
I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in his suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus and by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So again, our focus will be found in verse 14 of that text. And to help us think through that passage, we will break it up into three parts. So if you're taking notes, our three main points are what is to be treasured and guarded? Guarded through unashamed proclamation and suffering and guarded by the Spirit. What is to be treasured and guarded? Point one. Guarded through unashamed proclamation and suffering. Two. And guarded by the Spirit. So first, what is to be treasured and guarded? Look with me again at verses 9 to 10 who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So here we see Paul begin to expound what God has accomplished through Jesus Christ. Paul here explains to us what the gospel is. The gospel is the news that God has saved. The gospel is the news that God has saved us. But that should lead us to ask the question, from what? What exactly has God saved us from? Friends, God has saved us from death, sin, and his very judgment. Look with me at verse 10 again. And which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. So through Jesus Christ, death is destroyed. 
through Jesus Christ, life and immortality has been brought to light. It has been given to those who believe and trust in Christ. So it also means the opposite. That without Jesus Christ, death still reigns. That without Jesus Christ, there is no life and there is no immortality. Friends, this is the reality that we all face right now, today. That apart from Jesus Christ, all we deserve in this room before a holy and righteous God is God's judgment. All we deserve is death. And not just physical death, but eternal death under God's righteous judgment, under God's wrath. But you might, again, ask another question. Why? Why should we deserve God's judgment? The reality is that we have all been created to worship and love God. We were created by Him and for Him. But we have not done any of those things. We have not obeyed God's commands. We have not loved Him completely. In fact, we have chosen sin over Him. We have chosen to love ourselves over God Himself. All of us in this room have committed treason against God. So just as treason against a government deserves death, treason against the high king of heaven, against the very king of the whole universe, equally deserves death. We all in this room deserve God's judgment, not life. In fact, the Bible does not only tell us that we deserve death, but that we are already dead. That we are dead in our sins. That's what Ephesians 2.1 tells us. But, so that's the bad news. That's the bad news of the gospel. This is news that we need to understand before we feel the weight of the good news. But God has done something more. Ephesians 2 continues to tell us, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Our passage today tells us the same thing, that through Jesus Christ, death is abolished. Life is given and immortality is brought to life through Him. Friends, God has saved us through the blood of His Son. It's only because of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, fully God and fully man, that those who are dead in sin are brought to life in Him. Jesus on the cross takes upon our sins and dies the very death we deserve. And He extinguishes. He takes away all of God's wrath for us. And He died and He rose again to show that His sacrifice was accepted. And He calls you now to trust in Him, to turn away from your sin, to find life in Him. A life of obedience to His commands and a life that trusts and loves Him. This is the life we were created for. To love, obey, and to love and obey God completely. This is where our joy was made to be found. So if you're not a believer here, I wonder what you think of this. If you are interested in learning more, please talk to any of the pastors here. Talk to the friends who brought you here. We would love to talk to you more about what this news is. 
and that you see the reality of your sin, oh, we urge you, trust in Christ. Repent of your sin and trust in the Savior who has come. So God, in our passage today, calls us to guard the gospel, the very good news of Jesus Christ. That God has saved sinners through the death of Christ. So what is to be treasured and guarded? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Those two ideas are tight, aren't they? We don't see treasured in our text, but to guard something means you treasure something. We only guard things that hold much value. So, for example, the president has a lot of bodyguards who would give their life for him. Why? Because the president is valuable to this country. Important places that hold expensive jewels are guarded. Why? Because they hold something valuable. They guard because they realize something is important. Something is worth protecting and something is worth treasuring. Friends, the good news is that though presidents work for your good and protection, they will one day fail you. And they have failed you. Though they may serve you for a good amount of time, they will one day step down from the presidency. And one day they too will also die. However, Jesus Christ has met your greatest need. Jesus Christ always works for your greatest good. He is the one who protects you and guards you. He is the one to keep you. And he will not let anyone separate you from his love. He is forever faithful and keeps all of his promises. And Jesus has not stayed in the grave, but he has risen. He has risen to reign as king over all, and he reigns now and forever. And though earthly possessions may have some worth here, they too will fade. They can get broken, they can get stolen. However, Jesus gives us an eternal treasure. God himself, which no one can take away. Friends, if you treasure what Christ has done, you will guard and protect the gospel. And the way that you guard the gospel is through unashamed proclamation and unashamed suffering. Look with me at verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So here, Paul charges us to guard the gospel in two ways. First, we guard the gospel through an unashamed proclamation. But before we can proclaim something, we must first get the message right. Look with me at verse 13. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. Timothy here is charged to keep God's truth pure, to keep the gospel pure and unchanged. Timothy is charged to not change the gospel in order to perhaps appease the false teachers around him. He's called to not change the gospel in order to avoid suffering, but he is called to keep it pure and guard it well. This section must have rekindled Timothy's memory 
as he remembered the boldness of Paul when he arrived in Corinth. In Acts, we see Timothy join Paul in Corinth, and Paul is in the middle of testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. Timothy had witnessed Paul boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul saw, Timothy saw Paul model and live out this very command. He would also have possibly remembered Paul's final charge to the Ephesian elders. This is from Acts 20, beginning at 17, if you want to follow along with me. You yourselves know how I lived among you. The whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, what happened to me through the plot of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house testifying to Jews and to the Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul had lived out this command in front of Timothy. He had preached and protected God's word faithfully. And here he calls Timothy to do the same. Notice that this requires words. See, the Christian faith is one of words. Declarations of God's truth revealed in his word. So if we begin to get rid of speaking the gospel, we will easily lose the gospel. We will fail to guard it, and we will fail to treasure it, and we'll fail to proclaim it without shame. So this means as we proclaim the gospel, we have to use words. That's the only way. So perhaps some of you have heard this quote by, or it has been said that this person said this quote, Francis of Assisi, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. But Paul here says the words are always necessary. That to preach the gospel means preaching words, the the truths of Christ. Words that declare the gospel unchanged. This is what it means to proclaim the gospel without shame. So do you proclaim the gospel? Or do you try and hide certain truths of the gospel? Perhaps, you know, people don't like the idea of sin or or God's judgment, or or even hell, so you just prefer not to mention it. Or maybe you want to tweak it a little bit. You'd rather say that God only accepts, or God accepts those who live a good life. That's what matters, not what Christ has done. Friends, if we do any of these things, we change the gospel. If we do any of these things, we fail this command to guard the gospel through proclamation. And if we change any of these things, it shows that we're ashamed of what the gospel really is. So friends, if you have trusted in Christ and repented of your sins, guard the gospel well by unashamed proclamation. Guard the gospel well by proclaiming the gospel to those around you Without shame. So the first command was to guard the gospel through unashamed proclamation. The second is that Paul charges us to guard the gospel through unashamed suffering. So this is also found in verse 8. See, as God's people proclaim the gospel without shame, they will also face suffering. They will also suffer. 
We saw it in Paul's life. Paul himself have, has suffered for the gospel. Timothy also witnessed this at Acts in Corinth. So he witnessed the Jews revile and oppose Paul right after he showed that Jesus was the Christ. And words again, for back to the time when Paul charges the Ephesians, probably would have rang through his ears. Now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Timothy has seen Paul suffer. And now Paul calls him to do the same. He calls Timothy to not count his life of any value, but to finish his course and the ministry he has received from the Lord. Timothy, too, must testify of the gospel of the grace of God, even if it means suffering for it. Paul's words were correct in that charge to the Ephesians, weren't they? That only afflictions awaited him. In our letter today, we find he has finished the race. And he has finished the course God has given him. He is going to die for the gospel. You can imagine Timothy's tears as he reads these words. He remembers the life of Paul. He remembers his suffering. He remembers his faithfulness. He he constantly remembers the words of Paul, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul had now finished his course and the ministry given to him by the Lord. And now Timothy is called to do the same. To fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep the faith. And friends, we are also called to do the same. We also must fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep the faith, even if it means suffering. See, we will all face some sort of persecution at some point for being Christians. Perhaps it's being judged by co-workers, being cut off by friends and family, or perhaps even physical persecution for your faith. Paul reminds Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 that he shouldn't be surprised at this suffering. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And perhaps you think you don't face any persecution. But friends, we all suffer. We all suffer daily through certain circumstances. Uh, Here are some good words from a pastor named John Piper. He says, Suffering is nothing more than the taking away of bad things or good things that the world offers you for our enjoyment. Reputation, esteem among peers, job, money, spouse, sexual life, children, friends, health, strength, sight, hearing, success. 
when all these things are taken away, either by force, by circumstance, or by choice even, we suffer. And in the midst of suffering, we are called to be unashamed of it. Another question that we can ask is why? Why should we be unashamed of losing everything in our lives for the sake of Christ? It's because suffering displays the infinite worth of Jesus Christ. Suffering displays the infinite worth of Jesus Christ. Suffering displays that Jesus is better than everything in this world. Suffering displays, suffering the loss of things, displays that Jesus is better than your iPhone, or your iPad, or your iMac, or whatever gadget that you own. He is better than the certain hobbies in your life, or the very foods that you enjoy. He is better than any of our earthly possessions. They will all fade, they will all break, they will all lose its luster. All of them will always fail to satisfy your hearts and your souls. But Christ, Jesus Christ will never change. He is the living waters for your soul. He is the bread of life that satisfies like no other. He is the one who is forever faithful. He is the one who is all forgiving. And he is the one who will never cease to be glorious. Paul says in Philippians that he counts all things as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. He also says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, friends, it's only those who see the infinite worth of Jesus Christ that suffer for him without shame. So if you have seen the infinite worth of Christ, let us be bold and suffer the loss of all things for him. So first, we saw the gospel is to be treasured and guarded. Second, we see the gospel is guarded by unashamed proclamation and suffering. And finally, we guard the gospel by the Spirit. It's easy to believe that we do things in our own strength, isn't it? Uh, Our culture loves independence. We love to do things on our own. We don't like being dependent on other things. But to believe that we build up our own strength to be able to obey this command will only leave us in failure. It will only leave us in hopelessness. Look with me at verses 11 and 12. The Gospel for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Do you see where Paul finds his confidence? Do you see where he finds his confidence in guarding the gospel through proclaiming it and suffering for it? Why is he proclaiming and suffering for the gospel without shame? It's because he knows the one who is, whom he has believed, and he is convinced that he, the one who is, he has believed, is able to keep him guarding the gospel. He is the one to keep what has been entrusted to Paul. Paul doesn't trust in himself. Do you see that? 
he trusts in God to obey this command. See, Paul has known God. He knows God. He knows God is the one who has saved him by sending his own son to die for him. He knows God is the one who has called him to be an apostle. He knows that God did not choose him because of his ability uh, to be bold or to suffer well or his own righteousness. But notice that God chose him because of God's good purpose and his mercy. God chose him out of his mere grace and mercy. And Paul knows that God himself will be the one to give him strength and the will to guard the gospel well. Paul here is guarding the gospel by the Spirit. This is why he commands Timothy to do the same. Right in our verse, verse 14, he begins it by, By the Spirit, guard the good deposit. Guard the gospel. As Paul had been entrusted by the gospel, the gospel is entrusted to Timothy. And as God has given Paul the will and the strength to guard the gospel through unashamed proclamation and suffering, God will give Timothy the will and the strength to guard the gospel through unashamed proclamation and suffering. Friends, if you are a believer here, this is good news. Here we have a reminder that the Spirit is at work in us. The same Spirit that shaped and emboldened Paul and Timothy is at work in you. God has given you His Holy Spirit to live in you. He's the one who sanctifies you, who brings you conviction of sin, who brings you comfort of forgiveness. He's the one who is shaping you into obeying God's commands and looking more like Jesus every day. He's the one who gives you confidence to be God's adopted child. And that Spirit is the one to give you the will and the strength to guard the gospel well. He will give you the will and the strength to guard it by proclaiming it and suffering for it. Let us not trust in ourselves, in our own power to obey this command, but let us trust in God. Let us pray that God would give us a greater passion to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Let us pray that God would give us a bigger view of Jesus and see that he is infinitely worthy that we might suffer well for him. So what is to be treasured and guarded? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how do we guard the gospel? It's by suffering and proclaiming it without shame and and guarding it by the Spirit. This is the gospel that was entrusted to Paul and Timothy. And now it's entrusted to you here. This is the gift that God has given you to guard well, to protect. If you've ever been to a wedding, there's a moment when the father begins to walk his daughter down the aisle. And once he's up front, the pastor would normally say, who gives this woman woman, to be married to this man? And the father usually replies, the father and I do. At times the father takes the hand of his daughter and places it on uh, her soon-to-be husband. It's in here we get a picture of what entrusting looks like. Uh, Entrusting a precious jewel. The father has cared for the daughter well, 
loved her, and now he's entrusting the son-in-law to do the same. Friends, you have been given something precious to guard. You have been given the good news of Jesus Christ, the greatest treasure in this world that no one can take away and will never fade. Guard it well. Guard it well by proclaiming it. Guard it well by suffering it. God has entrusted you with the gospel as he did Paul and Timothy. And know that God will give you the strength and the will to guard the gospel well. He'll give you the strength and the will to guard it well through unashamed suffering and proclamation by his spirit. Let's pray. Father, would you give us the will and the strength to guard your gospel well through unashamed proclamation and through unashamed suffering for the gospel. Would you help us see the the weight of Christ and the treasure that he is, that he is infinitely worthy of our entire lives, that he is worth more than anything that we have in possession on this earth. That we would, with Paul, say we count everything as lost. Our things, uh, everything. And would you give us the hope in Christ. Remind us of our hope in him and the great treasure we have in him, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.